0: So a great example is like our backyard movie night is probably our most popular experience. Chairs, blankets, uh, a screen, projector, even an old-timey popcorn machine, everything you need so that you could have your friends or neighbors over to watch a movie in your backyard. We would deliver that to you and we would pick it up when you're done. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're
1: in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere, this is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast so if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well thanks so much all right everybody today we have joe fernandez who is one of the co-founders of joy mode which lets you access everything you need but don't own for great experiences joe also previously founded clout which sold to lithium technologies for nearly 200 million. Is that correct, Joe?
0: Yep, I uh, was a co-founder and CEO of Clout from start all the way past the acquisition.
1: All right, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Joy mode first. And before we even do that, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, you know what you've done up to now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always been an entrepreneur. I don't think I've ever had a just normal job. <laughs> Love building things, and I think I approach entrepreneurship from a product and marketing perspective, as opposed to maybe like an engineering or finance or sales or whatever. And I, I specifically love building things for consumers. So um, cloud was broad-based, but I but I thought of it as a consumer app, and Joy Mode certainly is a consumer app where we are we're really focused on helping you. Just have better experiences with your friends and family by providing you access to products that you you don't necessarily want to own.
1: Got it. Okay. And what I mean, what started, what prompted the, the idea for Joy
0: Mode? Um, it's been around for a long time in my mind, even before I started Clout. I was thinking about Joy Mode. I was living in New York, and I met my girlfriend, uh, then girlfriend, now wife. We decided to move in together, and our apartment was so small that everything we bought, we had to basically get rid of something just to function in that space. And it was a, it really kind of opened my eyes and changed my perspective to how I thought about ownership. Uh, and it was really nice to be unencumbered by all the things that, you know, kind of pile up around you. At the same time, I think broadly there's been this, this shift, this kind of mega trend where, uh, as a society, we don't, judge status anymore on you know how far out in the suburbs somebody lives and how much they fill their house with stuff uh it's more about the experiences people have and people care about those experiences and and it's it's really you know it's about those moments and uh the reality being though a lot of times you need specific products to have those moments if you're going camping you need a tent and a blanket and a cooler and a stove and, you know, 10 other things. I'd been thinking about it through kind of parallel while building Cloud, just wishing this existed because uh, I had changed personally from wanting to own stuff, but was always prevented from doing things. Like we never would go camping because I didn't want to buy all that stuff. Uh, that's kind of the, the origin story um, and when when I transitioned out of Cloud after our acquisition and took a little break to recover from the intensity of, of that experience. Uh, I couldn't shake the idea that this was something that I, I wanted to build.
1: Great. And just, just for clarification, so you guys aren't exactly doing, you know, people aren't like peer-to-peer sharing their their belongings. You guys actually own the stuff, right? And then you guys are, you know, people are subscribing. I mean, how does the business model work?
0: Yeah, like I'm literally sitting in the middle of our warehouse right now in downtown LA where, We've curated all these these experiences, and we we actually own the product. So there's been attempts at this, uh, but they've always come from a P to P perspective of like, okay, I'm going to help coordinate, you know, between a group of people, so I can come get something out of your garage. And the friction there is just really high. So we wanted to be able to provide a consistent magical experience where you can you know touch a button and, and step into a life uh, and have the things you want and need um, so so we do own everything and the the business model is you pay a subscription it's $99 for the year that gets you your first experience for free so a great example is like our backyard movie night is probably our most popular experience it's a chair it's blankets it's uh, it's a Chairs, blankets, uh, a screen, projector, even an old timey popcorn machine, everything you need so that you could have your friends or neighbors over to watch a movie in your backyard. We would deliver that to you and we would pick it up when you're done. Uh, You get it for free with your first reservation. But after that, you pay a reservation fee, which is always less than 10% of retail. So, you know, that's like $1,200 worth of equipment. You could reserve it. To, from us for like $85 and we pick it up and deliver it.
1: Wow, okay. And what would be like a practical example or, or what what do you see being, uh, I guess, what kind of events are you seeing being booked out the most?
0: It's a, a you know, we, we support a wide range of things. We, the way we thought about it is, um, and we really think about a calendar a lot here. So what does a year look like for somebody, you know, kind of 28 to maybe 40 living in LA like, what are all the things you want to do? Uh, maybe you're going to Coachella. Maybe you're, you know, you might go to Palm Springs one weekend. You're definitely going to the beach a couple times. You're, you know, you're going on a first date. Like, what are all those things where you might have to borrow or buy stuff to to accomplish them? And, you know, and where can we, where can we provide a better experience by just giving you access to those products? So... I mentioned the backyard movie night camping is another popular example, you know, with the holidays right now, like we have karaoke machines and that's really popular. And we have, um, stuff for cooking. So if you wanted to like bake Christmas cookies, we would send the kitchen aid and all the, the like roller and the pans and everything you need to make, to make cookies, you know, even cleaning like uh, a fancy high end Dyson vacuum and a stain remover. And, uh, you know, before, after your guests come, you want to do a deep clean. Uh, we have all that stuff. Talk
1: about your your growth rates. It's been you guys have been pretty consistent for the last couple of months. What well, what does that look like?
0: In April, it's kind of like late March, early April. We officially launched Joy Mode, but um, you know we, we we're we still are in private beta, and we were uh, not doing any press. So it's all, all of our growth has been word of mouth. Um, and and really, what happens? We think about this moment where you know, you're, you're hosting a backyard movie night and a bunch of your friends come over to your house and everyone says like, wow, man, I didn't know you had a, a giant screen and where'd you get that crazy popcorn machine from? You're gonna say like, no, it's this crazy company. They, they you know, gave me access to it and, you know, I, they delivered it and blah, blah, blah. Like all of our growth has come from those conversations, which I think are really powerful. And, you know, we've had consistent, you know, 25% plus month over month growth since then, and you know, you know, frankly, the the numbers are are, are small still. We're just getting going, but like uh, the the consistent growth since then, and as we head into 2017, you know, we, we think uh, you know, we're excited about what we're seeing.
1: Okay, and where where's that growth coming from? What's working for you in terms of customer acquisition?
0: It really is that word of mouth. Like we are. You know, we we're really leaning into that in terms of our most important uh, growth category, our growth channel. All of our experiences lend themselves to things that you're going to do. You know, you're going to be with other people when you go camping. Are you going to have other people over when you do a joy mode game night or whatever it is? We want to make it so so that experience is so great that you you know you want to tell your friends about us. We'd rather have you hear about us from your friends than from, you know, an ad on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. So, you know, we spend a lot of time on customer support, on packaging, on design, on all those things to make it like delightful and amazing. We we are doing a, a pop-up this month though where we rented a storefront in Silver Lake, a neighborhood here in LA, so that people could come in and actually see the experiences and we staged it and it looks really cool and Give people a chance to, um, you know, to, to to experience joy mode in a more tangible way than you might see on the the app or the site. So that's been a, a big growth channel for us too. We've definitely gotten a lot of, of new users from that.
1: Okay, and so in terms of, I mean, one thing I'm looking at over here is you guys have raised three million from great investors, and one of them being, uh, you know, Chris Saka's Lowercase Capital. So. For the people that are looking to raise money, I'm looking at Sherpa Ventures here too. How do you go about securing or raising from great investors like these?
0: It was a lot easier this time around than the when I raised my first money with Cloud. When I started Cloud, I literally never even met an investor before. I never even met anyone who worked at Google before. So like, I didn't have that network um, you know, with the success of cloud, I was able to make friends and relationships with a lot of um you know great people around and specifically great investors that were excited to to get behind joy mode. So so maybe the question is more relevant to the cloud experience since yeah. the you know, I don't know uh it's it was definitely unfair advantages on this joy mode one. So back in the cloud days, like I literally pitched probably 200 investors to raise our angel round. And uh, I ended up getting 37 angels and they were like all small checks. Um, How big were they? I don't know. $25,000 average checks. So, um, you know, it wasn't like, ideally you don't want that many investors cause it's a hard to manage and this and that. But like you also do whatever you have to do to, to give your company, you know, cash to survive. So like, took what I could get and um, a lot of those investors at the time weren't the big names and some of them have become big names uh, and it's been awesome to see but uh, it wasn't like I had Chris Saka in my first you know in the seed round of cloud so the kind of the learnings there were um, I was able to get investors to introduce me to other investors like once I met one investor he introduced me to another one and I got that one to introduce me to another one and I just kind of networked down the line until you know 200 pitches later we were had raised uh our seed round second which was a little harder lesson was um i i was struggling a lot when i would pitch where i would an investor would say like oh cool i really like what you're doing with cloud i wish you were more focused on data or i wish you were more focused on advertising whatever they would say i would go home and say like okay i'm going to redo the deck and i'm going to like kind of refocus on that thing and tell the story from that side. And then and then literally the next day I'd go pitch somebody and they'd be like, oh, this is really interesting. I wish you weren't so focused on data. <laughs> I wish you thought more about this. And then I would like, for like six months, my head started spinning and I was turning into like a crazy person from kind of listening, over listening to investor feedback. And what finally helped me was deciding the company I wanted to build and getting comfortable with pitching it as many times as it took to find people who believed in that company.
1: Got it. Okay, cool. So it just sounds like what I'm hearing is it's basic, you know, nose against the grindstone, constant consistency. That's what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just perseverance and, you know, telling your story and believing in it.
1: Great. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about clout. I think, you know, the fact that you sold it for, for nearly 200 million bucks, uh, I think there's a lot of business lessons you, you've picked off from there. So what have you learned from clout um, that, you know, you've you've been able to carry over into joy mode? I think what are, what are the key things that keep popping up over and over? It's like, oh, I experienced this at clout and, you know, I know what to do this time around, you know, at joy mode.
0: I had never worked in a company of more than like 10 or 15 people before. I had never really managed anyone before. I'd certainly never raised money. So there were like a lot of learnings. Give me like a foundation in starting joy mode that is really helpful. You know, one thing I'm afraid of is, you know, there's so much hype around this like idea of like the serial entrepreneur and like that you should know everything because you've done something in the past. And, um, yeah. I try to be really careful to not fall into that because this isn't clout. Like I'm not building clout and clout was like a, a bunch of circumstances that worked, got, you know, luck and hard work and a bunch of other things. And it worked, uh, that like we need to make happen in its own way at joy mode and, it's nice that join mode is different enough in the terms of like, we are shipping like manually delivering and we have a warehouse of physical goods. Like cloud was a purely digital thing, um, that it feels fresh. And I feel like naive again, because I think there's a lot of strength in not knowing how hard something's supposed to be that, uh, kind of unlocks different perspectives, um, uh, that I, that I want to try to take advantage of. And, Yeah, I try the so I from cloud experience I like to use the lessons learned on like how to be a better coach to the team, how to be like a better communicator, um, as opposed to like pure business lessons that may not be applicable to to join mode.
1: Perfect. Yeah. I I like the way you put it there. I mean the, the leadership lessons, I think those definitely carry over, but each business is different. So um I think a lot of people, especially if you look at I think I was reading something the other day about how, you know, there's a lot of investors that will give you ideas, but, you know, the ideas that they have or the advice that they have is from other businesses. You know, it could have been, you know, very long ago, too, that might not be applicable to, to yours. So I think, I guess, having a sense of humbleness, being aware that, you know, what carried you over from clout or what did well for you doesn't carry really carry over to join mode. So I think that's good insight. Talk about one big struggle you faced while growing clout to, you know, eventually to that $200 million sale.
0: I mean, there were a lot of them. Um, It was kind of a a constant struggle. You know, I mentioned that as an entrepreneur, I think of myself as a, like, product-centric entrepreneur. And Cloud started, you know, me in my bedroom building this thing that I thought would be cool. The transition from being able to, like, design and build product that end users touch, to being completely out of that process and like realizing that my product was now the org, so like my product is the org that creates the product that end users touch was a like you know a lot it was a painful in some ways and challenging certainly transition and uh, you know a lot learned
1: what 's one big thing positive or negative that has impacted your life dramatically
0: i've always wanted to take on big challenges and build cool things. And I've found that just staying true to that and like, you know, whether it's investors giving you like telling you why your idea won't work or giving you other ideas that aren't really helpful or are just not being willing to, to support you or, you know, hires you can't close or people who leave your company or whatever, but like being focused on, um, you know, what the ultimate thing you're trying to accomplish and why that's important to you, and uh, and then I would add to it like not getting too high or too low. Like startups in general are like an emotional roller coaster where hour by hour, I would either feel like we were going to take over the world or that we were like so screwed. And uh, getting comfortable with those cycles and not letting um, not letting yourself get too high or too low. Have been really impactful on my life.
1: What's an example of you guys being you know close to the, holy crap we're, we're screwed moment for for Clout? Because it would be interesting to hear that story. Because I mean, from from a marketer standpoint, you know, I always understood Clout as this thing that you know scored how well you were doing socially, but you know, I, I never really understood the, the additional uh, application for it. So, I would love to hear your stories.
0: You know, we became well known for the Clout score and like yeah you know, I always thought of that it was like our best asset and our worst enemy in the sense that like people were really well aware of that um and it was kind of became a a worldwide thing but like it was also the tip of the iceberg and it kind of betrayed what was below the surface and there was actually you know a lot of cool things we were doing below the surface that like weren't as big of a novelty necessarily as the cloud score but actually provided real value and you know we worked with we had billions of API calls a day from thousands of companies who would use cloud to to provide insights into, you know, how to, how to provide support to their customers. So an example would be, like, you go to check into a hotel in Las Vegas, their, their reservation system would hit the cloud API and give back a score. And without you knowing, they'd say, like, oh, you know, we, we'd love to send you to see Cirque du Soleil tonight. And they'd, like, upgrade your room or whatever just because you were, like, you know, you had this strong social presence. And uh, so it was great for the the hotels, great for uh, consumers, and, you know, we were powering that. We also had thousands of brands who paid clout to connect them with influencers. So we had uh, a product called Clout Perks where, you know, Nike, Disney, Audi, like, all these top brands would pay, um, Mm -hmm to connect with people that were influential about topics relevant to that brand. And um, so we were doing, you know, double digits, millions in revenue. So it was like a, a a legit, legit uh, business. And, you know, the, the ups and downs and I, you know, the original question being like, when did you feel like you were screwed? Like in the early days, like, you know, we got multiple times down to like, Oh, we're not gonna, you know, we're like, not going to make payroll in two weeks (laughs) if we don't like close this funding or close this deal or whatever um and those are like intense you know intense kind of pressure we also we were built on top of twitter and facebook and instagram and all these social platforms so in a lot of ways our fate was out of our hands like we were always kind of you know the rumors and stress of like, well, what if they cut us off on the data and like, you know, those types of things and like negotiating those deals were like life and death. So, you know, a, you know, kind of, kind of the more hype we got externally and the better people thought we were doing, the more I'm sure I was that we were going to die.
1: How did Cloud start becoming so popular? What do you think actually feel that? You know, your I guess your popularity.
0: Yeah, you know, I built a lot of things that were like wrong product, you know, maybe right product, wrong time and more things that were like wrong product anytime. And cloud was really this kind of right product, right time where it was like, social media was just transitioning from being like for kids where it was like, my space was what social media was to like, Oh, actually this matters for your job. And like the world is changing and everyone has the ability to be to broadcast and build an audience and all these things and what does it mean and like we came along and helped try to make sense of that and then it you know touched into ego it touched into like this transition and that was happening on the web where the web was changing from being about pages to being about people and you know we just like rode that wave and and the, the name clout was like compelling and kind of perfect for what we were doing and the, I guess I can't can't understate how big the ego. It was like ego crack, and people checking their cloud scores and comparing their cloud scores and all those things. Um, so it was you know right time, right place, right idea.
1: Okay. Was there any specific, I mean, was there like a, like because a, people on this show, like they like the growth hacks, right? I'm error quoting right now. Was there any specific widget or, or some kind of, you know, viral effect like Dropbox that caused, you know, people to find out about about it more? Because I'm, I'm not even sure how I found out about Cloud.
0: There were, I mean, we were like super, super optimized on growth. We had a really amazing product and design team that were like, you know, incredibly metric driven and And super creative, Um, so you know we had a lot of the stuff that is kind of common now, whether it's A/B testing or you know different invite flows or whatever. Like we were right there. I think we were we were such a big customer of Mixpanel that our even though we've been acquired like multiple years ago, our logo is still on the front page of their site. Like we were like from day one like using that on every single action and just like optimizing like it was the it was like so highly optimized and to get people to like invite their friends and you know the other thing was like a more of a social engineering and the way we positioned the score and some of the ways we got people to brag about their cloud score and you know your twitter feed i mean we were getting just like tens of thousands of tweets and you know, mostly, like, tweets a day, people talking about their cloud scores. And, like, you would see that in your feed and be like, well, I wonder what my score is. And, like, that flywheel gets going. It's a lot harder now. Like, you know, I don't know that, like, the, like the things we were doing are kind of standard practice now. and And people are a lot more thoughtful about what they share on social. So I don't viral hooks as big and as strong as they were, you know, in 2012 and 2013. But we were, like, you know, we were, like, pretty pretty aggressive and pretty creative and definitely metrics-driven around that stuff.
1: What's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life?
0: It's been interesting. You know, we, again, we have, like, a warehouse full of products. So there's, like, lots of stuff I never imagined like using or liking or caring about that. Like I get to play with or take home whenever I want now. And this is like, so i startup related or tech related. Even I'm not a cook. The sous vide is like uh, a product that like you can cook any, any, almost anything perfectly so easy. Um, And I take that home a lot and reserve it from joy mode. And you know, eating well and uh having that has been really you know it's just like a nice thing to to kind of add to to general living
1: that's when you basically that's when you zip up like meat and then uh you basically put it in, in you know uh, water for a very long time and it just cooks
0: yeah yeah so with joy mode we'll send you the vacuum seal so you can like what i like to do is go to the butcher and get like a nice piece of meat and then vacuum seal it and then We use the ANOVA sous vide and it has like an app and you set what the meat is. And, you know, it may take a couple hours because it cooks at a relatively low temperature, but it's like perfect every time. And it's like generally just awesome. It's like where cooking and technology meet. And it's pretty interesting to me.
1: Also, yeah, I remember seeing, uh, I think I saw one on, on, on Shark Tank a couple weeks ago, so I've been looking into that more. Anyway, the, I mean, you know, my my partner loves uh, loves using that thing all the time, and I've always wondered about it. But, okay, that's that's a good one. And what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone?
0: I am reading right now, I'm reading a book called uh, What If We're Wrong? Uh, it's been really interesting. It's basically the idea that, like, like over the course of time, almost inevitably, everything that seems like common knowledge gets proven wrong, like the next generation. You know, how that, how to open your thinking around, you know, to be more flexible or more, yeah, you know, just open minded in general to things. I guess because I'm reading it now, I'm like pretty into it.
1: Love it. Okay, great. And one final question. So, Clout, before you sold it, how many users did you grow it to?
0: We were, you know, double digits, millions of users. Yeah, you know, we were, like, we were growing fast and, you know, we had, we had kind of three components to the business because there was the consumer side where we had, like, double digits, millions of users. We had our data side where we were doing, like, multiple billions of API calls a day. And then we had our like ad business where, you know, we were doing like double digit millions in revenue.
1: Got it. Okay. And when you say millions of of users or double digit millions of users, is it like 10, 20, 30? What what range is that?
0: Closer, like between 10 and 20. I think we, when we got acquired, it was pretty close in the middle there.
1: Got it. And I'm sure it's a lot of it's going to, a lot of the, you're going through the roller coaster again. So I'm excited to see what happens with joy mode. We might do another one when you guys have even more traction, want to talk about that more for sure. Uh, Joe this has been great what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you do online
0: uh, you can go to joy mode uh, joymode.com or we're in the iPhone app store right now I'm just at Joe Fernandez on Twitter and yeah I'd love to connect with anybody
1: cool sounds good Joe thanks so much for doing this
0: thank you talk to you soon